So as I'm recording this, I learned that uh, the figurehead has been caused to invoke the defense, uh, was it the Defense Manufacturing Act to, to force companies to fulfill orders for baby formula. Uh, I've learned that. And then I'm reading about a program from some of the uh, technocrats called Reset the Table, uh, where they wanted to remake the American food supply system. You know, like, what was that thing we always play? Why don't we just blow it up? Maybe Zach Abraham can help us feel all better about this. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live, and I get to see a bunch of y'all coming up tonight. I am so excited, and thank you for our partners at American Financing, AmericanFinancing.net. They're doing cash-out refis, saving people up to 1000 bucks a month. Um, they bought a block of tickets that were given away to our event. This guy's going to be with me tonight. Oh, by the way, AmericanFinancing.net. Uh, Zach Abraham is going to be with us tonight, delivering wisdom. Zach, welcome back to the Todd Herman Show. Thanks for having me, man. Always good to be here. I'm so glad I was, you know, I was sitting here on pins and needles because uh, I know that you're young. Um, you're in very good shape. You don't have any comorbid factors because COVID can be pretty serious for some people. It can be very deadly for uh, people if they're old and have comorbid factors or obese. So I'm really glad to see your face because I was sweating it. I couldn't, reach you, I couldn't reach you earlier. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I haven't heard from him since he got the COVID. Well, like I told you, man, I got to give all the credit to uh, to the figurehead Biden. I've gotten three booster shots in the last 90 days, and I'm convinced that's what saved my life. <laughs> Good for you. Well, we need to talk about a lot of stuff. I want to I want to pick your brain on what you think are the big things we should be looking at. I don't know that things have changed in energy and, and all that, but I do have to play this for you. But first, I have to ask you. Um, for our audience in a succinct way, you know, you do this at knowyourriskradio.com. Define, kind of tell us what, what is inflation? Define inflation. So, first of all, I think that's a great question, man. Yeah. And, and the reason why I think it's such a great question is because it's a question that everybody has an answer to and almost all of them are incorrect and wrong. Okay. Um, so, you, you basically have two different kinds of inflation. You have uh, something that we call cost, put, cost push inflation where the underlying cost of the goods is what's going up. And that can be caused by several different things, right? Um, meaning, you know, look back at the 70s. You had, you had rounded out inflation. You had good old currency depreciating inflation in the 70s, but it was really exacerbated by the oil embargo situation that was happening in the Middle East with uh, um, uh, uh, OPEC at the time. And... The OPEC side of it, the oil at that point was more of a cost push inflation, meaning that was, it, you had this unsustainable setup with oil and it was driving the cost of oil higher and then driving everything that was attached to oil higher. We've been experiencing that this year, but that's not what we call like a monetary phenomenon, right? That's a, that's a type of inflation that is tied to an individual asset class or due to, due to dynamics surrounding that asset class itself, right? Then you have monetary inflation, which is the devaluing of the currency. 
And I, I, the reason I think that's such a good question is because I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding about what we're having right now. Um, and that's why I'm always talking about dollar strength, right? We are not having, well, I think you're kind of seeing, you're, you're seeing a mix of two types of inflation right now. Because if we look at the dollar index, the dollar index is at 20 year highs. It's still holding in that danger zone, blinking red, it's ugly. Um, but that is more of an indication of financial stress globally, right? The, the dollar is the one currency that everybody has to have. And so when things get dicey, that's what they reach for. Um, but we're also having, I think, uh, you know, you've got situations around, I mean, you look at how, when you start messing with energy markets, the way that we have and the way that the rest of the developed world has, everybody forgets all the things that are tied to it. And so you're seeing that cost push inflation. But what's interesting about this right now is that I think you're also seeing monetary inflation despite where the dollar's at. Why do I say that? Because one of the biggest drivers of inflation is the currency debasement that we've engaged in for the last two and a half years, really for the last 15 years. And you could even argue longer than that, but it's just like everything else, right? With, with an illness left untreated, with cancer left untreated, these things don't get better in time. They get worse and they keep steamrolling and they keep snowballing and getting larger and larger and larger. And so I think that you've kind of got the, I think you've got both happening right now. You've got currency debasement inflation, which I don't think is right now the headline story. In my opinion, the currency debasement inflation that we're going to see is a little bit down the road because the way we're looking at this is if this thing is left, if this market is left to its own devices and the Fed really stays out of this, I think you're looking at 60 to 70% down from the top. So what you've experienced now would probably be the first third or fourth of the total drop. Wow. Okay, I don't think the Fed's going to let that happen, right? They, I, they're just not. So the way we're looking at this right now, Todd, is I think you're seeing the cost push inflation that, that isn't going anywhere until either A, the economy collapses, or B, we alter energy policy. Like that, that is the only way that's going to change the dynamics of this situation regarding energy. Okay. But the real monetary inflation is going to start, in my opinion, is when the Fed chickens out, because they will, they always have the number one thing these guys are afraid of is a depression, right? That's Bernanke. You go back and study Bernanke's work in college. He wrote his doctoral thesis on the Great Depression. That's what the, and I know he's not the head of the Fed, but I mean, that's the thing. No guy wants to be at the helm of this plane when it hits the side of the mountain, right? So they're going to step in at some point. When they step in, that's where I think the currency debasement starts in full force. Okay. Um, so, so let me. wait we see it right now, but, but I, I think that's kind of a good primer on inflation. And I think we're going to see the real currency style monetary debasement inflation kicking in earnest the minute the Fed, quote unquote, comes to the rescue again, because they will. Okay, so let me ask a question about that because I want to unfold what you just said. Um, and I want to play a game we used to play um, at Microsoft when we would have um, strategy sessions. And we would sit around and we would say, how would we uh, disrupt ourselves? So what would we do to disrupt ourselves? And we had a really interesting conversation that came out of that where there's a group of people, most of them a thousand times smarter than I am. And we said we would forget the PC and we would go straight to mobile. Why? Well, because we're so entrenched in the PC, why fight it? 
right? We don't, the, the mobile world is wide open. Why not go capture that? Um, and, and, and that turned out to be a pretty good idea. I want to talk about how you and I would dismantle the economy and see if we would do anything different. But before we do that, I want to ask you this, the two types of inflation you described, the cost push inflation and the monetary debasement inflation are either of those aided by higher taxes. <laughs> I, I don't think you saw it, but I put out a tweet the other day uh, regarding, I mean, I, and people, you know, I know your listeners are more educated than most and they probably heard about that and rolled their eyes. Um, as somebody that studied finance and economics exclusively in college, that, uh, I, that tweet was laughable. If there is any connection, you, first of all, inflation is driven by the middle class. The wealthy aren't big enough to drive inflation as a percentage of the population. There's just not enough of them, right? Let's say the wealthy all decides to go out and buy triple the amount of bread, right, this week. You're not going to see bread prices flinch. There's not enough of them, right? It's the top one and one and a half percent of the population. So the only way that taxation could impact inflation you could make the argument that on the higher end, especially when it comes now, could, could could taxing the entire population impact inflation? Yeah, it could. It, it would push down consumer demand. But if you're going to try to make the argument that taxing rich people would impact inflation, if you if that was the only group of people you taxed, you may be able to make an argument that will increase inflation because in an effort to 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 uh, avoid paying taxes. They yeah. reinvest in their businesses, infrastructure spending, hire new people, things like that. Right. Um, but that it, it's going to tamp down. I mean, it was, I, that was a laugh out loud moment where I just started laughing out loud and went, you hired a misinformation czar. And yet this tweet was allowed to fly. Yeah. You've got to be. Yeah. And it's not a political issue. It's just nonsense. And, and then they disbanded the the position of, of disinformation czar, truth minister. And what's so crazy, Stephen Miller points this out, um, the, the cabinet thing, that was a, like, it was a position never actually created. It was created on Twitter. And then it came into being. And then Nina, this incredibly scary little tyrannical loon ball, um, took the job. Now she has apparently resigned and, and that was, and the Washington post announced that it's not even the, it's not even the regime announcing that. Um, and then, then the Washington post, Taylor Lorenz, who doxes everyday people because of their tweets, that's her gig as a quote journalist. And then cries when people say rude things to her, she wants censorship. She writes a piece of the Washington post saying how right-wing reactionaries caused the downfall of an effort to do away with disinformation. So, okay, all, all that is, is mere prelude, as our friend Monson would say. Uh, he's a talk show guy in Seattle, if you don't know. And I want you to hear the new White House press secretary, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre. Now, before you hear her, I need you to understand something. Um, she's a woman of color, and she's same-sex attracted. So I want, I want to let you just sit there for a second and, and re realize that, that this is an historic moment. Are you okay? You look, you look stunned. You okay? Well, I mean, I just, I can't disagree with her now, right? <laughs> no, because then it would be, it'd be, it would be um, it's some kind of replacement theory. All right, listen to this. This is Peter Ducey asking uh, the White House press secretary a question. 
Uh, the president's Twitter account posted the other day, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. How does raising taxes on corporations reduce inflation? Um, so... <laughs> Are you talking about a specific tweet? He tweeted, you want to bring down inflation, let's make sure the wealthiest corporations pay their fair share. Okay, so she can't find her place in the binder, uh, Zach. Okay, so she's going to try to, she's going to try to ad lib. Look, you know, we have talked about, um, we have talked about this this past year, uh, about um, making sure that the wealthiest among us are paying their fair share. Um, And that is important to do. And uh, that is something that, uh, you know, the president has been, you know, working on uh, every day when we talk about inflation and lowering costs. And so it's very important uh, that, uh, you know, as we're seeing costs rise, uh, as we're talking about how to, you know, uh, you know, build a, a, a America that's safe, uh, that's equal for everyone and doesn't leave everyone uh-huh. behind, that is an important part uh, of that as well. Okay, so Ducey gets a follow-up. This is about 30 seconds. Zach is being tortured. Uh, you are being tortured. He follows up. But, okay, but Zach, I want you to know, in the follow-up, she finds her place in the binder. The answer you hear next she is reading. She is someone typed this out for this woman. She is going to read the answer they wanted her to give. But how does raising taxes on corporations lower the cost of gas, the cost of a used car, the cost of food for everyday Americans? So, look, I think we encourage those who have done very well, reading. right, especially those who care about climate change. Uh, to support a fair ta- tax code that doesn't change, that doesn't charge manufacturers, workers, cops, builders, a higher percentage of their earnings, that the most fortunate people in our nation, and not let this, this that stand in the way of reducing energy costs and fighting this ex- existential problem, if you think about that as an example. That was a written out response for her. Some highly paid 26-year-old from Harvard and Yale wrote that out for, uh, for Jean-Pierre Kinney. <laughs> you know, you know the first the first part of that question. It reminded me of the beauty pageant that, that was like twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, when they it was the Miss Teen USA pageant, and they asked her about like geography, and she goes off on the answer talking about um, the Iraq and maps are good. Remember, do you remember that? Yes. Like I don't, I don't call her. Yeah. But, yeah. Like this person is yeah. the spokesperson for the most powerful office in in the world and you can tell she was picked based on her color and her sexual preference because she wasn't picked based on her knowledge or ability to articulate anything meaningful whatsoever right i mean that's clear and it the 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 amount of nonsense and drivel i just heard come out and the and the way that this entire administration has it's just it's lie after lie after lie and I don't know, Todd, whether they're lying or they're this stupid, because I think that they're a combination of both, quite honestly. So do I. And I, I, t- I talked this week with a, a friend of mine, Gentry Collins, who has uh, gotten you know Republican presidents elected. He's flipped the House in favor of Republicans. He's gotten governors elected. He left politics, went home to Iowa. Now he's, he's taking on the U.S. chamber um, because he feels like they're completely sold out uh, to the ESG score um, leftist portion of the party. He says the same thing about D.C. Our problem, I think, Zach, is that these people are so now pot committed to this. I played an audio um, bit this week of a woman. This this is a very similar thing. I mean, this sounds like a completely separate topic, 
Uh, but this really is not a separate topic. This is a woman um, interviewing uh, people at an abortion rally. So she's there and, and she comes upon this other lady and they have this conversation. And I'll tell you why it is the same thing that you just heard from the, from the White House press secretary. Do you believe in abortion after birth? Would you, would you support that? I believe in whatever the woman wants to choose to do. That's her choice. At any point of the child's life? At any point of the lady's life, that's her choice. To kill another person's body? It's going to always be her choice. Even after the baby's born? It's always her choice. So if they're two years old? It's always her choice. I can kill my two-year-old? It's a woman's right to choose. To kill their child at any point? It's a woman's right to choose. So for the record, you are shaking your head and you've got a shocked face. And A, A, yeah, let's pray for that woman um, that she has adopted such that evil words like that are coming out of her mouth because that is pure evil. And there's no way that woman got to that point organically that, that, that she is simply so pot committed to speaking the words of, of the party that she cannot fight her way out of that box. She's painted herself into this corner. She can't get out of it unless she just admits everything I've been taught is a lie. And so you have yeah. the, the, the White House spokesperson. Now, I think that she is genuinely someone who has no intellectual talent. And I want to say again, I am sure she has a talent. God gives people talent. I am sure there's something about her that's very, very special. It's not her same-sex attraction. It's not the color of her skin to me. But she has no intellectual horsepower in this at all. Maybe she's a great painter. And I know that sounds snarky, but I don't know. Yeah. Do you see why I view that as the same conversation effectively? Yeah, I, because it's, it's this willful, like, <clears throat> you know, there's a real difference between ignorance and willful ignorance. In my opinion, I talk to our employees about it all the time. It, it's, it is not only uh, okay, but it is admirable to raise your hand and say you don't know, right? The admission of ignorance is the beginning of learning. That, that's fine. The, what we're hearing here is not ignorance, right? What we're hearing here is um, kabuki theater. It's people that know they're propagating untruths and lies and trying to dress them up, uh, you know, like a Potemkin village. You know, I don't want to keep using these, these words, but you know, it's, it's, it's that Potemkin village analogy where you've got that false front and there's nothing behind it. You know, um, like you said, I mean, it, I, I'm still trying to grab my intellectual footing here just because I cannot believe I sat there and listened to somebody advocate for the ability of a mother to kill their child at their whim. Right. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when the, the most atrocious story in the country was that, that woman that suffered from, uh, mental depression and drowned her four kids in the baby. In, in, in Susan, the Susan Smith. Oh no. In the bathroom, Susan Smith did it in a car, right? The other woman did it in the bath. Yeah. One by one. And, and now all of a sudden this is public policy. I mean, and, and that, it look, that's why I sat there. We had a, we had a kind of a, a, a an illuminating conversation today during, during the middle of the market session where I said something like these people need to get pounded. And one of my employees goes, you can't really mean that. You don't want people to lose money. And I go, no, I don't want people to get hurt financially, but I don't see anything else. You're right. Human beings are much more predictable than we think. It's amazing when they, it's amazing the way they sober up 
when the money is pulled away or the comfort is pulled away, right? Everybody can be a sunshine patriot. I believe those are the words of Thomas Paine. Mm-hmm. I think he talked about sunshine patriots uh, at the time of the, at the, time of, the uh, of the Revolutionary War. Everybody can be a sunshine patriot. It's easy to wave the flag for the team when they're winning. But what about when it costs you? And when I look at it, I don't think any of this ridiculousness could go on if there wasn't the ridiculousness happening on the financial side of things. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's, that's exactly, exactly what I want to talk about. You said that so well. Okay. I have forever since I read the book because my daughter wanted to read them. I wanted to watch the movie. Since I read the book, the hunger games, I have talked about this nation as the capital. Um, and that the, the capital produces nothing. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't market anything. It takes, um, and yet that the, their ability to keep that conjured money thing going, keep that flowing. That's what allows you just unlock something really important to me. That is what allows them to continue with this charade as captain Picard would say, a charade. Because the money flow never cuts off. So let's let's talk further about that. And then this dynamic of if we were to disrupt our own economy, but do it in a way that was slow and managed, how would we do it? And would it be any different from what's going on today? Zach Abraham's with me. Oh, so the soda weight loss protocol. Um, I get all sorts of questions about this. It's funny. I get questions about this man. Um, Zach Abraham, a lot. People will say, it seems like you guys are really good friends. Is that why you endorse Zach? And I will say, um, yeah, I mean, I got to know Zach as a human being, uh, knowing what he did for a living, but I know what sort of man he is. So that definitely contributes to that uh, because I know he's a good man. Um, And that's obviously why I'm able to do the endorsing. Um, But then with soda weight loss, it was the friend of a friend. Um, and when we got contacted from them and they said, we want to get an introduction to your audience, it was this huge moment for us because it meant the podcast had arrived in a way because they're a very big and very successful company. Now I didn't yet know them. Now I know them. So now I know the character. I knew their performance. I knew that their reviews were incredible. I read about their protocol. It's absolutely spot on. My wife wanted to get on it. Next week is going to be week nine. She's not yet had an unsuccessful week. She's shed the fat she wants. She does not want this fat in her body. She's shedding it. She's happy. People are starting to notice it in her face. She's a woman who enjoys those compliments. So she's happy. She had a question because it was, um, having some discomforts of like, Hey, I've changed all these foods. She made one phone call. Boom. The nutritionist was on the phone with her and said, Oh yeah, I've seen this hundreds of times. Listen, here's how we approach this. It was one day and like one phone call and an instant response. And now I get this feedback from listeners who are saying we started it. (laughs) It's the simplest thing. They ship us the food. They talk to us. We do everything at home. And because of these interactions, because now I'm getting word of mouth back from you guys. Now I can stand up and say, I have absolutely no, no questions that we made the right decision to introduce you, our friends to our partners at Soda Weight Loss, who are now becoming friends of mine. It's very exciting. It's sodaweightloss.com. It stands for state of the art. And they absolutely are the state of the art. It's S-O-T-A weightloss.com. You want rid of the fat? Go to sodaweightloss.com. 
So, Zach Abraham's with us. Know Your Risk Radio, Bulwark Capital Management, going to be with us tonight as well. Zach's going to be addressing us uh, before I speak. Um, Zach, this is from a movie and book series. I don't think it's enough credit. Um, I don't know if this was on purpose. I doubt it. Sometimes you're just at the right time. Um, Ayn Rand wrote um, uh, wrote her her book for which she's most famous, uh, Atlas Shrugged. She wrote that at a time where where bureaucrats were running wild and taking over. Um, this is the president in in the Capitol. If you don't know the Hunger Games, you should get to know it. It describes our society so well. The Capitol gets the districts warned against one another. Then the host the Hunger Games. They have beautiful young people, handsome young people go kill each other for the nation's entertainment. This is Capitol TV. Since the dark days, our great nation has known only peace. Ours is an elegant system conceived to nourish and protect your districts are the body the capital is the beating heart your hard work feeds us and in return we feed and protect you but if you resist the system you starve yourself if you fight against it it is you who will bleed I know you will stand with me, with us, with all of us, together, as one. Pan Am today, Pan Am tomorrow, Pan Am forever. Man, you're shaking your head. Am I right? Is that spot on? It's 100% spot on. And funny you bring that up because we've we've put out, again, on our Twitter account, not recently, but we put out a joke, uh, I think it was last year when they were having the Grammys, where I walked in and saw the Grammys on TV in my house. And uh, I looked at my wife jokingly and I was like, oh, we're watching the Hunger Games. I love these capital scenes. You know, just because the people at the Grammys look, you know, so ridiculous. I mean, it literally was like life imitating art. And um, yeah, I, no, I think it's dead spot on. And it really amazes me what a cultural phenomenon that movie was. And nobody sits there and then takes the next step, right? Like sitting there going, how are we not headed down that path? How is that? How are we not Pan Am right? It just, well, we are. Sometimes I jokingly refer to us as the districts uh, or the separate country. I, 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 you know, I talk about the Capitol. Um, So you said something so important that the, you know, the, the theater of the bazaar, uh, the plays done for our um, our edification that no everything's okay. That's why we have the figurehead giving his you know pretending to be in the White House, but he's on a soundstage. Now the Politico has put out that he won't do things in the Oval Office because it won't be fitted for a teleprompter. That's why they built a movie stage. So you mean Ron? Yeah, our, our president is Ron Burgundy. Yes, he is. He is yeah, absolutely yeah. Ron Burgundy. So uh, without the humor. And they admit this, and this doesn't cause a commotion. The supposed leader of the free world needs to be someplace where there is not just a teleprompter, because I have news for you. You can fit a teleprompter in a closet. It's a teleprompter that is the size of a farmhouse, right? <laughs> so there's that. And, and right. Where's my, where's my Ascobus? So, so you said this stuff ends 
when it starts costing them money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so people are, you know, you and I said the amount of, you know, again, the people listening to this podcast are different. Um, but most people really don't have conviction that runs that deep. You know, it's long been said about the American populace, that they vote their pocketbook and that is true. And that will always be the case. And that to me is what is so pernicious and so dubious about the, the way that we've conducted monetary policy in this country, because every, if you think about it, every time we begin to feel the effects of the misappropriation or the misallocation of capital, wasteful government spending, all these things, when they start coming to a head, who comes riding into the rest of the Federal Reserve pouring money all over the situation, right? And so what they're really doing is they're shorting out that natural market reflex that is meant, right? It's, it's, if you don't have the fear of loss in a capitalist system, you're taking the guardrails off, right? The, what holds the capital system together are the losses the fear of the misallocation of capital. When you remove that, you're constantly anesthetizing the pain that comes from that. It's like a parent not spanking their kid. I mean, it really is. And when you do it for as long as we've done it, that's why we're having formula shortages. That's why we're having fuel shortages. That's why we're seeing that gas prices go up 4X over the course of, you know, eight months, even though our entire country is literally floating on an ocean of stuff. It's because capital has been misallocated so badly. And so the capital to me is like, when I say capital, I'm not talking about it in terms of the capital of the state anymore. I'm talking about it in terms of money. But, you know, if we think about the whole frog boiling in water analogy, Mm -hmm. money is like the flame that keeps that pot nice and warm so the frog stays anesthetized. If you let that flame die down, the frog's going to hop out of the pot, right? So... Because it gets cold, the frog doesn't want to be in the cold water, right? So that that comfort, right? That it's keeping it reminds me of Pink Floyd. We're just keeping the people comfortably numb, right? Just just keeping them in there in that place, and we'll keep pumping in that money. And that's why there's a part of me that feels somewhat more safe and more hopeful now that this inflationary spike is hit. And I don't really think there's any undoing it. Like I said, it's going to ebb and flow, like like we've been talking about, but. It's the only way, it's the only way to shortcut this system and begin, like, you know, everybody's so worried about accounts going down, right? Their house losing value. Um, And it's because we've gone 40 years without any inflationary pressure. What people are starting to feel right now is the pain of all of this mismanagement, all of this horrible spending and ridiculous policies. And all of those, I mean, if you look at the ESG movement as a whole, this never would have happened outside of an era of quantitative easing and artificially low interest rates. It taught, we were talking about Carvana. I don't know if you follow that company, but it's a ridiculous stock. And I remember going down to Phoenix three years ago. That's where the company started. And they're the used car company that built a giant car vending machine. Okay, so the glip. Okay. And as we drove by it the first time, I started laughing out loud and my wife asked me, what's so funny? And I go, look at that car vending machine. She's like, what? And I pointed out to her and she's like, oh, that's crazy. And I go, honey, that is something that does not happen unless interest rates are at zero. Okay. They, right. And so that's what I, you, you just enabled this ridiculousness to ensue. And now the bills come and do and, and people are starting to lose their minds. And so I don't wish financial ruin on people, 
I just know nothing's going to wake, nothing else is going to wake us up. Okay. So, but here's the crazy part about this. And I was going, we to talk and we'll, we'll do it later. We'll talk later about how we would disrupt our economy or how you and I would engineer a managed implosion of our economy. Because uh, uh, that's a fruitful the conversation. I want to take that on later because I think when you when you take it undertake an exercise like that, um, look, the CIA does this. They had some guys go, oh, I'd fly airplanes into buildings, and they're like, oh, that's stupid. No one's going to fly airplanes into buildings, uh, and they just they just they just discounted that. Um, but there's some, something else that 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 you have come about. Man, you should get COVID more often. I mean, you're always on it. But you've just offered up another really important insight to this. There's a Hebrew saying I always butcher. Uh, when you're lenient, when you should be firm, you'll eventually be cruel when you should be kind. And what if the thing we fear most is the thing we most have to do to regain control of our country? And what if it's the thing that God tells us not to fear? This could be a very, very, very big moment. Zach Abraham's with me, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. Zach will be joining us tonight. Um, oh, man, check my Twitter account. People were doubting me. It's at Toddy Herman, by the way, is, is my account. And then the show page is at the, uh, at the, at the Toddy Herman Show. And I, Julie has this on Instagram and other places. And, and of course, there's the Substack. So, um, people are doubting me, like, you're not going to take four bags of bone frog coffee to Seattle for a two-day trip. Huh? I'm not. Guys, when I get into something, and like, Zach, you've seen me, like, before a workout, how unbelievably um, geeked I am, right? You've seen that. I, I tell people all the time, they're like, <laughs> I get the question, what's God like? And I'm like, you know exactly what he's like. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I, my first comment was going to be, you're just taking four bags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, I wife, figured that's my wife and daughter demanded some stay behind. Uh, so you can check that. That's the stuff I'm taking um, to, to Seattle, to Bothell. And I'm going to take it around. I'm going to take it into the, you know, at the hotel and, you know, go out and have breakfast and go, Hey, can you make me some bone frog coffee? What's that? What's oh, in the bag. I'm that loyal to it. And it's not just because I love Tim Kirkshank, the founder, 25-year Navy veteran, Navy SEAL. Um, it is truly that I've fallen in love with the coffee. And now it is the first time in my life. I am in my mid-50s. This is the first time in my life I have ever looked forward to coffee ever. Because to me, it's been a caffeine carriage system. But man, I can do fizz bits or bit fizz or whatever the heck that stuff is or Diet Cokes, which are terrible for you or monster sodas, which are equally bad. I can drink five minute energy. People call it five hour energy. I can do all that. If you are someone who needs to be geeked, come on, grow up, get geeked with taste. It's bonefrog.us. You get 5% off lifetime subscription. Um, plan from bonefrog.us, but make sure it's the .us thing. It's available in all carriage systems, um, all delivery systems, I should say, all roasts, unbelievably good, bonefrog.us. So if you're like me, your job requires you get geeked or you like to be geeked in the gym, get geeked in a patriotic way, God, country, team, bonefrog.us. Zach Abraham is with me, and I'm about to tell Zach that he's, he, he is... He's been really fruitful today uh, on the intellectual front. So we might, this is what I was really admiring about the, this conversation and dreaming about it is we also fear, I mean, look, I fear having 
property values drop. That's where all my money is. You know that, right? And yes, through you, I'm, I'm obviously diversifying. Obviously, I'm just going to turn everything over to you because I, I, I'm otherwise I'm all in one bag. Um, but I fear that I fear the house market falling out. I mean, and I don't sit and operate in fear because I have been blessed by the Lord with a kingdom view and I, I increasingly trust him. But look, let's not lie to the Lord or this audience. Yeah, there are times I go to bed at night going, holy, holy, holy God, what are we doing? Like if the bottom falls out, this could get really bad. Okay, I've got my food storage and I've got my ammo and I live in a good, you know, part of the country where people support one another. And, you know, everybody up here knows I'm going to be gone for a day and a half. So, you know, they're going to be up, get ready to shoot anybody who approaches our house. So just a note to the UPS driver, you know, there's, there's a sign out there and there's a password for a reason. So if Mike draws down in, it's not his fault. It's just what we do in this neighborhood. Um, but, but we may need to accept the fact that we may need to go through the thing we fear most or our kids will. So it's almost like a war, right? There are people, and I've talked to veterans who say, I'm glad I went through it. So my kids didn't have to. And there are people who believe that about world war one and world war two and Vietnam, they believe that about Korea. I'm going to go through this. So my kids don't have to, we may need to go through the great depression. We may need to go through the times of nothing. And the apostle Paul said, I know what it is to be content in with when things are plentiful. I know what it is to be content when there's nothing. Mm -hmm. And it may require a huge act of faith to the Lord, right? We may need to let the economy actually crash to get rid of like people like Jean-Pierre Kearney, not, not get rid of her, but she doesn't belong in that job. This figurehead cannot be leading this country. The corruption yeah. we see at the treasury, Janet Yellen is corrupt. She's a thief. She should not be leading that group. And she's probably the least thieving of all of them. So yeah. is that what you're saying is that we might need to say, okay, take me. Don't take my kids, take me. I mean, to, to a degree, because if you, you know, if you look at, the, the only way you change course, um, you know, and, and this, and look, the, the other part of this, the reason, and I, guys, if you hear me talking about certainty on these things, I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know exactly how this is going to play out. I, I'm telling you the way I see it and the way I think. Um, so far, it's been pretty right on, but it doesn't, you know, we're not going to peg everything perfectly. But the reason that I'm so confident in this view is because this isn't new. Right, you go back to Roman times, and they referred to exactly this scenario as bread and circuses. Right, meaning when we're in trouble as a country, when we've gotten in wars that we don't know how to get out of, when we're clipping, you know, the whole clipping coins thing that comes from Rome, that comes from them basing their currency, and the whole their whole strategy with dealing with that, with keeping the populace <clears throat> somewhat serene and 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 bolted down, was bread and circuses put on shows and give them free stuff, right? That's exactly where we're at. And so this is not new. This, is, this has happened so many times throughout human history, and the outcome will be the same. And where do you shake people out of these ludicrous thoughts? Um, you know, when believing ridiculous, immoral things doesn't cost you anything, yeah. people tend to believe them, right? Because foolishness and immorality doesn't cost you. Um, and, and until that cost comes, 
I just, I honestly think really nasty economic times are the only hope this country has. Um, otherwise, we all see where it's going and it's not good. And so I'm not hoping ill will on people. Um, I don't think that there are magic stocks to hide out in that are going to get you through it. Um, you know, our value portfolio, and I'm not saying this is the plug, but our value portfolio is still positive on the year. Our average client is still up on the year. And one of the reasons for that, one of the biggest reasons for it is our ability to short markets, to bet against markets. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be positive. And I think that's kind of the scenario that you're going into. If these things play out the way that they look like they're going to, you're going to need to have access to real assets and you're going to need to have the ability to short markets. And it's not something I'd encourage anybody to go out there and do if they don't know what they're doing because you can get hurt in a hurry. But um, that, that's the reality. I mean, Todd, look at today down 25% today because they missed earnings. The day before that, Walmart's down 15% because they missed earnings. Costco dropped 15% today because out of sympathy. The earnings are getting hit. The facade is starting to dissolve right in front of people. And it's like we always said, wait, just look out for inflation. Because when inflation starts, this party is going to come to an end in a hurry. And it has started and the party's ending. Yeah. And there is so much, um, it's not, it's, I'm glad you brought up the Roman history because of course that's true, but there's so much that we don't do as human beings uh, any longer, such as, you know, the rites of passage of young men used to involve, you had to go face some scary things, right? Yeah. You had to do that. And, and, you know, I've, I've spent so much of my youth reading about uh, the native tribes because my dad absolutely loved native culture. And, and later in his life, got to spend some time around native culture, volunteering on the reservations. And the, the rites of passage involved acts of what you would think of as physical madness, you know, but were in fact great bravery um, and, and going on quests. And, and of course, people have gone on missions and, and people go out. Those are hard things. You, you can crank that up. And then in the military, if you're going to be a team, you know, team guy, and I've been blessed to know a lot of team guys, we're, we're going to have you go through as close to hell as, we, as you can go through. So it seems less scary to you. And you come out the yeah. other side and wow, I made it through um, hell week. Um, and then, then that's not even, that's the very beginning of it. Now I have to make it through buds and okay, if I can do that, there's a lot I can do, but we don't, yeah. we, we, uh, we become, we have, we've backed ourselves off from experiencing that. The closest we get to it is, you know, CrossFit people will talk about the pain cave. And whenever I mentioned that to someone who's a combat vet, they go, yeah, pain cave. Yeah. Yeah. Bring me your, your 20 minute blowout workout there. CrossFit boy, pain cave. Yeah. Shut up. Never say pain again. You have no blooming clue what pain is. Um, but there is can, the, the meme that, that strong times create weak men and, and weak men have to go out and create bad times. And then you end up with, you know, people being molded into strong men. Um, of course the Lord figures into all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and to your point, um, I think it's funny that you just, we're not funny. I think it's prescient that you just made the comment about the Lord, because if you really step back and look at our culture, whether it's financial, whether it's what our kids are being taught in schools, we have, we have deified in some ways comfort, right? So what is the only thing you can't do? You can't tell somebody that what they do is wrong. You can't tell somebody that what they do is immoral. Right, because their comfort, right? I don't know if you saw the whole Jordan Peterson tweet he put out 
with the woman that's going to be on the front of the Sports Illustrated, yeah. pretty face, but she's obese, right? It's not healthy, right? It's not healthy. It's, it, it, her body looks what a pre-diabetic body would look like. And his simple comment was, I'm sorry, I, this is unhealthy. This is not beautiful. And I don't care how much you mm. throw at me. And of course, he had to cancel his Twitter profile because he just started getting bombarded. But, you, but again, we're deifying comfort. We're deifying health. And if you think about it, it's the cruelest thing of all. It really is. When you see these kids going down paths that you know lead to destruction, and we're being told as a, as a matter of policy and a matter of morality, our only responsibility is to not tell them they're going down the wrong path. It's suicidal and it, and it's shocking. And it really doesn't surprise me that we're going down this road with reproductive rights on the abortion issue because we're essentially, look at the, look at the, look at the suicide rate between people between 18 to 25 years old. We're essentially already killing them outside of the room. We're not teaching them. The culture is, is attacking them at every level through social media and all this kind of stuff. And it's just, um, I, it's, I, it's just, should we call people out for being out of, no, we shouldn't call people out for being out of shape, but we also shouldn't call bad good and good bad. Right? That's straight out of the Bible. And I, just watching this unfold in front of me, it's just, it's just shocking. You know, I look at the best coaches I had in life, the best mentors in life. They were the ones that told me what I didn't want to hear. And that was the thing that was, that was the, that was the seed of growth, right? That was the, that was the stuff that really made the difference. I tell my guys all the time, guys, with every investment, we get richer or wiser, but never both. Yeah. And, and the biggest learning lessons we're going to get is let's do a postmortem through every investment we get wrong, because that's where the good stuff is, right? Absolutely. Every, right. Hey, I'm the man, right? I got it all figured out. What makes you learn? It's when you get your teeth kicked in. And we've decided, we've decided as a matter of policy that we need to make sure nobody gets their teeth kicked in anymore. And, and look at the fabric of society. It's coming apart right in front of our eyes. And I, I'm a, I am a person who's having, I'm being discipled. I'm learning what it is to disciple others. Um, I've taken the knee to the Lord. It's the only knee I'm going to take. And I grew up half redneck. And you know what? Some problems were solved. Like some problems are solved. Sometimes a, a good knocking you upside the noggin solves some things. And when it was man on man or sometimes boy on boy, and look, I, I this always devolve into, okay, so you are like Joe Biden. I'd take him out behind the schoolyard. And, hey, let's, let's push up contest, fat. No, sometimes you got to a point where you would solve the problem in a quick and physical way. And what happened was there was a silverback thing. Okay. So the silverback thing was when your football coach got up at you and was screaming at you, you knew the next step was football coach is going to slap you one. Yeah. And, and I had some coaches who, when they decided to unload on you, dear God in heaven, you would be thinking, I'm going to die in here. And it was quick and, and, and sometimes it was painful, but it was quick and it was over and you realize, oh yeah, I don't challenge coach at that level. So right. there's that, but there's also this, a friend of mine came into um, a, just lost a loved one uh, and they're pretty sure it's from the injections. I was oh. talking to a lady who is a service member's wife. Her husband's retired. 
she told me about one guy, big beefy dude who's never flunked PT. Um, he's a team guy. He can't get his heart rate below 145. His resting heart rate. Post Yeah. Well, he, he walks, he walks to his car. His heart rate is redlining. And this is a guy who has never flunked PT and he's not going to give up. He is a warrior. So he's trying to get through this. He went to another PT and a fellow team guy died. And I was asking my friend, can I get this information? And she said, Oh, no way. Army's going to lock this down so tight. DOD is going to lock this down. And so this is something similar where a young friend in the fifties, not a military person, an athlete, someone who was incredibly, you know, serious about nutrition died suddenly. And we asked the question, had the person been injected? Yes. Twice and boosted. Myocarditis. Okay. In our conversation, Zach, here's how this relates to what you and I are talking about. I don't want people dying of myocarditis. I don't want our team guys being hurt this way. I don't want anyone hurt. I don't want people financially hurt, but it brings to mind Lazarus in the tomb. Mm-hmm. So what was the shortest sentence in the Bible? Well, Jesus wept. Right. Why did he cry? Well, it was because his friend Lazarus died. No. Wasn't it? Well, what did Jesus know about Lazarus? Well, he knew that, I mean, he knew he was going to, he was going to raise him from the dead. Right. Why is he crying? You know what? I don't, I don't know. I've never actually thought about that. So if you read the passage again, the Lord begins to cry when he sees his friends crying. Oh, that's right. The lack of faith, right? Right. And he's, he's looking at them saying, wait a minute. Wait, wait, you watched me heal lepers. Right. You've seen me do, You've seen me do all these things. And, yeah. and I, I gave you this opportunity to grow in faith that when I came back, okay, I delayed three days. I purposely delayed. When I walked in, you could have gone to your knees and said, you know, Rabbi, uh, you know, Lord, will you bring Lazarus back to us? We miss our friend. Will you bring him back to us? And the Lord may have said, your faith has made it so. The Lord may have also taken another path to say, no, Lazarus is gone. And, and, but it was the lack of faith. And even amongst my friends, I have to do this again. So here we are, Zach, you and I have a conversation about, do we have to go through financial Armageddon? And we have the Lord up there going, Armageddon? You don't think I can make manna fall from heaven anymore? You think I can't? I, 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 I won't if you won't. Well, and, that, and, and this is one of the messages of, that we're trying to tell people all the time is there's this attitude that if the market crashes and the economy collapses, you have to go with it. You don't. You don't. And, and I don't think that that's God's will. I, I don't think that that's what he wants. I think as a matter of fact, and I'll tell you, it's something that we as a team talk about every single day, uh, especially at our, our Thursday Bible studies, is uh, you know, whether right or wrong, wh- whether we're proven right or wrong, I firmly believe that one of our callings is to protect the assets of God's people that they get placed with us. And I think the the reason for that is very clear because I think we're going to go through really hard times. And 
us being in an ability or in a place, in a position where we can help people um, financially or with food or anything else, it puts us in a position where our, our, our words and our outreach and our discipleship becomes so much more meaningful at that point. Um, is that the way I know it's going to play out? No. And anybody that tells you they know for certain, you know, they're the only one in the room you shouldn't listen to. Um, but I mean, that's the thought. We don't have to ride this down to the bottom. We can be, you know, we can be the wise servant that sees these things happening and makes adjustments and doesn't play in the casino and doesn't do, you know, it's, it's not a predetermined thing. We don't have to get wrecked. Like I was telling you, you know, we're up on the year. Um, I'm not promising you that we'll be up or that we'll go up further, but just trying to sound the alarm to people and saying, look, whether it's through us or somebody else, just make sure you're dealing with somebody that knows what's going on because it doesn't look good. I think it's going to get a lot worse. I don't really see how it doesn't when you look at the backdrop we're currently looking at. Um, and you don't have to go with it. It's just that simple. And, and, you know, for the other people also, one warning I wanted to tell people Todd, while we're on the show is people have heard my bullishness and my excitedness about energy. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want to say is you even need to be careful with that guys. There is no silver bullet. Meaning if this gets bad enough, regardless of the supply and demand set up in energy markets, energy stocks and energy stuff will get hit too. And you, there is no silver bullet, right? People think they're safe hiding out in Costco and Walmart, right? These are big stalwart companies. They're getting hammered. Um, and they're probably going to continue to be. And I, I just don't mess around, but also don't sit there and watch this thing keep waterfalling on you and just say, well, my guy tells me to ride it up and down. Well, that's what guys were telling their clients back in 1929. And it ended up in an 85% crash. Yeah, devastation. Yeah, don't 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 guy. Well, and this this just came across as as we're recording, Zach. Um, and this, I mean, I I don't know a lot about the Amish faith. I know a bit about it, and it's very fascinating. And it, it's not the nirvana that some people think of it as. Um, but it just says here the Amish community uh, has reached herd immunity. <laughs> My point is sometimes the old ways. Right. Sometimes the old ways and the things that God designed, like you've talked about real property and and real assets, things that you can touch, feel, use uh, become very important. Uh, And here this just lands as we're as we're talking about this. Well, we're going to see you tonight, man. We're going to see you. Well, I shouldn't say that because this is time shifted. People can listen whenever. But as Zach and I are recording this, we're just uh, um, this is uh, being this what they say in podcast land, not bowed. What do they say when we release a show um, posted? No, there's something they say that's so audacious and, and heady. Oh, it's the link, right? uh, is it released? I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, it's something like that. Yeah. When, when is it released or it's like, it's a movie. I'm going to drop the episode. Yeah. Or I'm gonna oh, drop. yeah that's it. Yeah. Hey, so one's uh one's uh episode uh, 124 uh, hour uh, one drop. When's that happen? So this thing drops on um, on Friday morning. So uh, we'll see you tonight at the Cedar Park Church. I don't know because this is being recorded in the future if there's tickets still available. I know we were very, very tight on them, but it's uh, the ToddHermanShow.com slash events. And I can't wait to see you tonight, my friend. I can't either, man. And just as a note, my, like you said, sometimes the old ways are good. My college football coach, Crosby Western, an incredible man of God, uh, used to say, boys, it's not good because it's old old because it's good. (laughs) 
That's that's so good. My football coach yeah. used to say, "Shut up, or I'll kick you straight in the teeth." <laughs> that wasn't Frosty's way. That wasn't his way. I'm kidding. Oh, my, man. My, my football coach is actually a gentleman. He's my wrestling coach. He didn't say he was going to. He would just do it. All right. Uh, this well, is, wrestling coaches are a different animal altogether. They are. This is the Todd Emmett Show. We so appreciate your support. Please, as always, please be well, be strong, be kind. Uh, and as always, let's be right with God.